There we go. I believe this is episode 30 of Friday Night Counter-Attack. So thank you very much, everyone who's tuned in over the last 30 episodes. Thank you very much for following us on social media, on our YouTube channel, and following us on Instagram, and getting with us for all of our different shows and our programs that we've got. We've got a lot more coming up over the summer. We've got our episodes of Check It Out every Friday on YouTube. We've got our GoPro Friday Night Football, which has been brilliant. People have loved watching us play football or me trying to attempt to play football. Someone had the nerve to call me Aaron Wambisaka without the tackling, so I must be dreadful at football. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's all well and good. I'd say it's a nice sunny day, but it's like the first day in like two weeks where I've, I can't see any sun um, from from my bedroom window, so it's all well and good. But it's nice to see um, some smiling faces on the podcast with me. So I've got Salim back again. I've missed you, Salim. It's, it's been good to see you uh, in person recently. Obviously, when we went to, play, went to London, went to play football, uh, it was great, but it's nice to see you back on the podcast. And we've got everyone's favourite Italian football agent from the south coast of England, Marco Fro- uh, Floriale. I think I've got your surname right this time. but uh, spot, on. spot on. Perfect. Thank you both uh, for joining us on the podcast today. How have you both been? Salem, let's start with you. How you been? Yeah, I've not been too bad. I've been in Birmingham for the last couple of days and I've just come back up north. Um, just enjoying, enjoying the Euros, if anything. I love how, you know, we've been having four games a day. I think it's going to probably shorten down now. But it's just, you know, every game, I just pretty much want to see what the score is or watch a bit of it. Um, quick shout out to Marco with Italy doing quite well. I think that they could go the distance as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, three wins from three. Sorry, yeah, just in, in, sorry, yeah, just enjoying the weather. And um, it's nice that we're getting back to something a lot more normal than we were before and obviously they've pushed it back four weeks but we're we're getting closer what's four, what's, yeah what's four more weeks in terms of what a year and what three four months since the first lockdown so just got to yeah. carry on with it I guess Marco how you been it's good it's good to see you again it's good to see yeah. you in the summertime as well got a nice little tan like Salem said before the recording um but how you been you okay <laughs> yeah I'm well pleased uh, I was so pleased when I got the shout out this morning can you make it I dropped everything. A, it's cool as cats doing this. You guys rock, love it. And when the theme's Italy, unfortunately, uh, I thought, well, I can't pass it up. You do need your resident Italian agent to put, I think, uh, take the blinkers off and just give an honest appraisal of where we are and where we may be. Yeah, definitely. Because when we were talking about Italy, we were just, um, obviously, before the lockdown, when you were on, we did our Italian five-a-side. We talked about the current Italian side. And we're talking yeah. more about how we thought they were going to be in the Euros. And you're like, I was personally, like, oh, yeah, they'll be okay. They've got a good team, got good players. But that was, again, when I saw them. Uh, it, was, it was recently they played against, like, Lithuania in the Czech Republic when they was, like, 1 or 2 nil. So I was like, oh, yeah, they'll be fine. They'll be okay. But you, after the recording, Marco, I do remember you telling me. You were like, no, nah, these, these are decent. These are going to be challenging the best of the best at this tournament. Yeah. And with Mancini as, as the manager, uh, it'll be one to watch out for. And... Uh, fast forward a couple months down the line, three wins out of three in their group stages through to the next round of uh, the European Championships. Marco, how's it been being, Ita- being, an, being an Italian fan um, this time around, June 2021? Yeah, look, I can't stop the natural smile because I'm incredibly passionate when it comes to my Italian football. But I've also got in the back of my head that I think the bubble will burst. I, I believe we'll go far. I'd be very surprised if we win the tournament. What I would say is, and you can quote me because we'll stay in touch, I'm going to put a marker down. I think we'll probably be there or thereabouts in the World Cup. I think Mancini's building to want to do well in the World Cup next year in Qatar and has used this as the the sort of springboard. And it's bizarrely gone better than anyone thought. I mean, any football pundit, whether you're Lineker, Shearer, Keane, Vieira probably wouldn't have said Italy would have played three, scored seven, should have scored more. I think they would have said, yeah, you wouldn't concede. Um, but let's break that one down. You know, you've gone 30 games undefeated, 30 games. gone over a thousand ga- minutes of not conceding a goal. I mean, that's pretty... Uh, I, can't, I can see them conceding because it's football. But you do start to think as the momentum goes. I mean, you look at the World Cup 2006... So here's a quiz question. You know me, I love to put a quiz question in. How many goals did Italy concede in Europe? Two. Um, 2006. Two. Yeah, exactly. One was a own goal. Yeah. And the other one was as a damn penalty. Yeah. 
So all of a sudden, and don't get me wrong, I, I don't want to start having a go at mainstream media, but as an Italian that reads the Gazette and watches it, you get a bit peaked with them, oh, this, this defence is good. Behave, we've been doing it for years. All we've mm. added with Mancini is the, the silk to the steel that we've always had. And the one thing that someone else said, I think it was Michael Richards said at the weekend, which I concur with, we no, or Shearer, we haven't got a superstar. And I think that's weighed us down historically in World Cups. So 1990 was the Baggio um, dominance where he came on at, funnily enough, at the behest of Mancini. 94, we struggled again with, Man, um, with Baggio um, and then Brazy getting injured. Shout, so out, this... shout out to Netflix for that Baggio film, which I did end up watching on Netflix because of your recommendation, Mark. Um, yeah, uh, it was yeah, just, it Badger was crazy. It wasn't the best. The acting weren't all that, but no, the story exactly. was there. The story yeah. was there, and you're just there like, oh, I understand why uh, Marco was literally just talking about Roberto Baggio. Like, oh, yeah, he's more than the guy that just missed the penalty at uh, yeah. uh, the 94 World Cup. But sorry, carry on, Marco, you were saying. No, so, and then you build to 2006. We really didn't have, I would say, the household back. We had Totti, but Totti was pretty much into the autumn of his career a bit like Del Piero, again, in the autumn of his career. This team, I actually think the limelight is on Mancini. I think he's been very, very clever. I think he's put the spotlight on him because he's won at Inter, he's won at Man City. He didn't have a great uh, international career because he fell out with the, the managers from 86 through to 94. So I think all of that is him thinking, John, I want to win a World Cup. I'd be very surprised if we win the Euros. The only thing I would say is France have dropped points. Spain look a little bit. Comsi, Comsart, yeah. Um, Germany, I think, could be the same. that They were poor against the French, but then all of a sudden they woke up against Portugal. Very German, though. They knew they had to win. Yeah. Um, Portugal, for me, I think, probably punched above their weight in 2016. Um, and we'll get to the England thing, because I can see Sal and the Southgate thing is going to go and popping off, but <laughs> for me I said before the tournament if Italy get to the semis I'll take that uh, I can't see past Belgium they're my tip funnily enough I, I, I think the French will blow up really you don't yeah. think it's going to be a French dominance again no I, I I would be surprised if you know when we had Spain won did they go Euro World Cup Euro and yeah. obviously France did that in 98 to 2000 I, I'm not sure we're going to get the double up I kind of, I kind of think Belgium. If they, if they're ever going to win it, it's going to be now with Correct. prime Lukaku, prime uh, De Bruyne, Bruyne, and Hazard kind of coming back into it. And with, it's just because they've got that aging defence. That's what worries me. Vertonghen or the Weirold. Dene is not that old. He's like 28, 26 or something, which is fine. Courtois good in the sticks. Courtois very good. Tielemans had an excellent season. Witzel's yeah. back from injury as well. Um, there's lots to go on with that as well. And. We're going to see Belgium later on today. That's why we're doing our podcast a little earlier, just so we can um, get it all over and done with, which is great, watching yeah. Belgium game later. Um, <laughs> but no, Salem, what's your response to Marco about Italy? How have you found watching Italy yeah. this, this summer? I, I agree with him, to be honest. It looks like the, the, the defence was never a problem, to be honest. Like, you could never question them upon it. It's never been an issue. It's more sort of going forward and getting the goals. But I think they've got the right balance now. They've got some really good players. I wouldn't say they've got any, like... You know, top three Ballon d'Or kind of players. So, yeah, yeah, you could say there's no sort of issues like that. Like, you look at the players, they are quality, like Insigne and Berardi and these guys. But there's nobody that you'd say is like, you know, like a Messi, Ronaldo kind of level player. But for like me, said, it's like with um, the defence of 2006, you've got Chiellini, you've got Benucci, who are there as their grand old warriors who have been there forever. And they're the, they're the great... The, the, how did you explain it last time, Marco? The um, the Harvard business type of defending. You said Jose Mourinho explained yeah, it. it was something like that. The, they go to the Harvard School of Defending. Harvard School of Defending. That's it. That's the one. Um, but it's just they have they just set everything in stone for Italy and Immobile for me. Everyone was like, "Oh, is he going to do it in a tournament? It's done well for Lazio, but can he do it for Italy?" And he's been the shining light for me. It's been good to see him. Yeah. Locatelli has been everyone's um, standout star. Barella was someone I said before the tournament who was very good for Inter Milan this season. I thought he'd be very good to see um, in this tournament. He's been very good as well. Verratti's back as well. So, Salim, I think it's like, how can I explain it? It's like they're all good players, but like you said, there's no superstars. 
But there's loads of very good players that know their job and they do their job very well. Would you agree or would you kind of say it's, it's kind of... Yeah, the they all play into a system. Mancini's won things before, so it's not like he's, like, you know, not taking a team over the line because that's quite important. So mm. I think, like Marco said, maybe they are building towards that project of the World Cup and this has just gone better than it has. I've, I have looked through their sort of undefeated run of 30, which is impressive, but a lot of the teams are sort of the top teams. But then you can only beat, you know, what's in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, you can say, like, they've not really played that many, like, great teams, but to not concede a goal in that time is unbelievable because anything can happen in a game. Like, you know, a dodgy set piece goes in, you give a penalty away or, like, you know... Yeah, you get decision. Like, yeah, anything. To, like, the conceding the goal bit shows that they are actually the real deal because that that is, like, not many teams can, you know, keep that many clean sheets consistently. Like, it's it'd be harder to keep that many clean sheets than to score goals, in my opinion. Because, you know, a goal is like, you know, you can just do it over, like, it takes a few seconds, but a clean sheet is like 90 minutes of, you know, nothing going past you, basically. That's been a great consistency yeah. as well from them in terms of their defending, their goalkeepers, their fullbacks. And mm. it's, it's players that, like, for me, I've been very, I've been watching Serie A a lot this last season because of the whole lockdown and having, like, time off to watch football in, in Italy as well. So I really enjoyed it. And I, I've been saying to everyone, I've been like, you know what, Italian football's on the up. And everyone's like, oh, no, it's fine. It's the Farmers League. But Inter Milan ended up winning. <laughs> and you're just there like, it's not, no longer a Farmers League. Perlo didn't really do that well for Juventus. And Conte did very well for Italy as well. But um, if I remember correctly, was Antonio Conte the manager when you got to the final in 2012? Um, no. No, I think it was Cesare uh, Prandelli was the manager. Prandelli, Conte. Was, it was Conte 2014. Was 2016 in the Euros. That was it. 2016. That was when uh, I think you lost them to Germany, Germany and penalties. penalties. Yeah, it was that Damian yeah. penalty as well. Because you've literally got close these last couple of times in the Euros as well. That's the thing. You got to the yeah. final in 2012. You got to the quarterfinals against Germany uh, 2016 as well. But with Mancini, do you see any major differences from uh, the likes of Conte um, and previous managers as well that he, you think he can go Semi-final, yeah, final, maybe. I was reading up on him, um, funnily enough, at the weekend, and, and he sat in his band of brothers. He's got Alberto Ivani, who's an old um, Milan player, but also was at Sampdoria. So that's where they had that connection. And he's got Viali, who's his best best buddy. But behind that, they've got um, Albertini, who you may remember was big at Milan in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, and what all the Brits call Billy Costa Curta, or Alessandro Costa. And they sat down and went, what we're doing is just wrong. We need to actually have a, a total change of state of mind of how we can play the game. So instead of just building from the back and doing that catenaccio of 1-0 and defending, but he's, he's done the, you know, the formation. I don't know if you guys saw it. When we played Turkey, it's probably the best example. We start with a flat back four, but as soon as Spinozola goes up, we go to that three. So you then put you would put Bonucci in the middle, Chiellini on the left, and they had Florenzi on the right. So you've got a three. Well, straight away, because Spinozola and Zanni mm. would just go up and down all day. And then when we're under any sort of pressure, we go back to a flat back four. But if Florenzi needs to go up, then you just shuffle along. And I think that's the difference, that we're not as structured um, as we used to be when we had... Baresi, Maldini, look, what phenomenal players. You know, I still don't think there's that many defenders that are better. But they were playing in the regime where Italian football, I don't think, thought, oh, do you know what? Why don't we try and get a second or a third? And it's not quite Kevin Keegan-esque where we'll score more. We just know that we'll always um, not concede. And if we don't concede, we can't lose. And I think it was, it was from that Turkey game as well. The fact that we're like, oh yeah, it's not just a normal Italian side, it's a fun Italian side to watch. It's, it's exciting to see that you're yeah. going for the second, you're going for the third, you're playing with some flair. Uh, sorry to interrupt, Austria have just scored against Ukraine, so they're winning 1-0 20 minutes in the game as well. So Back to Italy, have. That, that'll, be, that'll be, what, Wembley, 8 o'clock Saturday. Saturday night? Correct. Yeah, yeah. that's going to that's gonna be a fun game with Austria's style of play against Italians. But I think Italy will breeze past them. It will be fun. But yeah, Austria, Austria have switched switched on these last couple of games. I think. Yeah, it's blasé, isn't it, to not be worried mm. when mm. you know it's in the UK or Austria, which is wrong because that's when I think you'll you'll hit a banana, banana skin. But like I said, you then get to the quarters, and I haven't really worked out who it will be because of the permutations. But look, 
Italy for me, I think, you know, touching on what Sal said, Immobile and what you've said, is always been there or thereabouts. He had one dodgy season, bless him, in Dortmund, but he mm. knows where the goal is. Insignia has had a good a good season at Napoli. Um, and who's the other one? Berardi. Yeah, so, Berardi. but I also like, funnily enough, I like Chiesa and Bernadette. Chiesa, yeah, from Juve, he's, he's, he's quite a talent as well. Yeah, and obviously he's a chip off his old block, the old man, which is Enrico, who um, Mancini knows again. And Bernadeschi seems to have a little bit about him. And that's going back to the point earlier. For me, I think Italy have got proper strength in depth where we're not just reliant on if Totti went off before, we thought, right, well, who's going to be that mercurial number 10? Um, how many times, there's another quiz question, and I don't know the answer to this. Have you seen in a qualifying game like last night, 88th minute, let's sub the keeper. That's what oh, yeah, never, never seen that. Never, yeah, unless, he's, unless, he's, unless he's injured. And you know that Donnarumma was not injured, whereas no. Chiellini was um, against um, Switzerland. I like and Mancini's reason for that as well. The fact yeah, is that like, oh, I went to a European a tournament. Yeah, everyone plays yeah. a part. I went to a European tournament. I went to a World Cup tournament. Never got a game, never got a minute. Um, and he swapped like eight, nine players as well. He is a proper squad rotation. Verratti was back. And like you said, Chiesa, Bernadeschi, they played as well which is nice to see them get some proper game match game time and just getting some match fitness in as well. It's not something that a lot of teams have the luxury of doing, but Italy do, and they actually did it. So they given they gave Immobile a rest. They gave quite a, uh, quite a lot of other eight. players a rest. Yeah. Eight players a rest, which is brilliant. And Bonucci got subbed at half-time as well, which is brilliant. Yeah. He's going to be ready it's, for it's that only going to help, you know. It's only going to help with like resting players. Honestly, it's it's just going to be good for you. I think the other thing that's quite good, for, that's been quite good for Italy, is that no one's like talked about them. Like no one sort of considered them as a competitor until like I don't know, like a week ago. Before yeah. like a week, you ask anyone what their top three or even the top five teams that they think that would win the Euros, nobody, nobody would have mentioned Italy. No one. It, it's all just, like Belgium, France, you know, England, Germany, Spain, but nobody would have put Italy in that sort of top five but yeah. maybe that's better they've not had any sort of publicity but this is going to come at the World Cup obviously now because the expectation how, how well you've be done now yeah what Sorry, I would I... say is Sal no one asked me if they'd asked me I think I might have put them in the top five <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest I think people just people have just slept on it like they've just not you know there's because there there's loads of good teams in the tournament you can't like fault that but it's it's not just about having sort of 11 or 20, even 26 good players. Like look at England, yeah. for example, we've got all this talent, but don't know how to use it. It's not really working for us. Before we, we move on to, we before we move on to England, Memphis Depay has just scored for the Netherlands. So it's one nil to the Netherlands as well. Nice. Which is great. So they, could, they could be free from free as well. Cause I was speaking to uh, one of uh, my scouting colleagues, Jeroen, who's a Dutch uh, football scout. He works for football manager as well. So he's saying Memphis Depay could be the man to kind of, lift uh, this Dutch side who, like Italy, um, they weren't expected to do great things or good things at the tournament. No. Both of them have done very well in their group so far, which is great. There's a goal check for VAR, so we'll see if and it's accepted or not. He's just joined Barcelona, hasn't he? Yeah. For free. For free. Yeah, ridiculous. I know, it is ridiculous. It's but, a great sign. Yeah. So whether we go on to the, we leapfrog to the English thing, and I'll just quickly ask you before we do, where do you guys see Italy finishing? I see Italy finishing in the top four, so yeah, I think same. they will. I think they will same. get to the. I think they'll get to the final personally, but I'm not going to say it because I don't know the route just yet. I don't know who the team no. are going to be facing, but I think top four they'll be okay to get there. I'm the same, Hamza. I've, I'm as I've got older, I've got superstitious. When I was a kid, I would have mapped Italy's route all the way to the final. <laughs> And, mm. But now, as I've got older, I'm thinking that no, I don't want to do that. I want the surprise of, of someone telling me. Um, but I think top four, and I would be, I, I'd like to see them get to the final. What I don't want them to do is come up against, let's say, a French side, even though I don't think France will get it, but let's just say they do. And in the last Euro final that Italy were there, 2012, we, we lost 4 0. And 4 mm. 0 in the final is never great. It's never losing in the final is a good thing. But four sort of distorts. I know Spain were right in their pomp, but I think that. And that's my only concern is that Italy get all the way to a final, don't concede a goal, and then just have one of those games where they concede three. Mm. You think, why didn't you do that in the previous six games? Just mm. consult. But we know that football doesn't work like that. Um, what I would say is, 
quickly and um, quietly on this one is the likes of Chiellini and Benucci, 997 games they've played together for Juventus and over 200 games for the Azuri. I just don't see those two making a mistake um, and not knowing what the other one's doing. I, I, so as long as you get your fullbacks right and that formation that I said, maybe with the three, I still think we'll get to the semis. And I'll put it out there now. Here's the kiss of death. I'm going to say between now and the semi-finals, if Italy get there, they'll concede one. But the thing is, Marco, I think in a way it's probably good to go one nil down in one of your games now, just to like it's yeah, just that correct. that the thing is like the team only knows like their true you know capabilities once they're up against it. So yeah, I mean it it doesn't it doesn't always work like that, but it 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 can be a positive to go one nil down and then win a game two one to show that you know we we can do yeah. it, but. Yeah, good but point. I, I, I mean, don't think I don't think the players are going to have any doubt in that sense anyway. I don't I, think Manzini will have any doubt as well, which will make it easier for them. It will, but it's a good point made by Sal. When you've gone thirty games and haven't lost, and you've gone a thousand minutes and haven't conceded, it would be interesting, perversely, to see how you cope going one nil down in the sixtieth minute. To think, okay, we've now really got to change our game plan because we've only got half an hour to go. And I think a lot of people know if you go one nil up against Italy you have pretty much got to build a China wall so you don't get broken. And then I think you may see the real Italians come out because they don't want to lose. And I don't think it's going to be that easy to score against Italy as well, unless it's like a VAR, uh, one of those kind of dodgy goals or a penalty even. But it's just one of those things that a lot of people are like, oh, if France were to play Italy, then Mbappe can just run past them. I'm like, it's not FIFA. It's literally not FIFA. You're not going to have 97 pace Mbappe versus Chiellini and Benucci. Like, it's real life. They have tactics to set up against these pacey strikers. Like, they didn't deal, they dealt with Gareth Bale. They dealt with Borat Yilmaz, who's not the paces of strikers, but they dealt with Umbolo, uh, Seferovic as well from Switzerland. So they've done all right. And they've done uh, obviously a lot better in, in the 30 games before. So it's going to be fun to see how, how Italy do against the bigger teams um, in the Euros coming up. So. That's our little Italy segment done. I was quite happy with that. We don't need to do an Italian five-a-side because we've done one already, so we're all winning. Correct. It's all good. Um, but yes, Salim, whenever Salim's ready to go, uh, I know for a fact he's been very angry with how Gareth Southgate, um, how Gareth Southgate has been treating uh, one of his favourite players. So Salim, I know you have to go in a bit, but why don't you just take it away with what you have to say about Gareth Southgate and Jack Grealish? Um, I think the Southgate problem isn't just how he's treated Grealish, it's how he's treated the whole country, in my opinion. Oh my god. I think we've got we've got all this talent at our disposal and they're just wasted. Like I don't know if Marco if you've seen any of the England games, but Yeah, yeah, I've watched them. It's, yeah. It's nothing near to I've what they should notes. be playing. No. We've done we've had all this prep. Like there's no excuse that oh he's just come in. Because now he's saying, Oh, we're still in transition, but when does the transition end? Because with tournaments, two years is a like you know four years is a long time. Like as in it's not a long time, sorry. As in a player's career can be done by then. Like you know you you can have prime hurricane now, and two years time is gone. Like if you look at the players that played in that last Euros for us, like Sturridge, I think I think Sturridge played for us. Or was that 2012? No, 2016. Sturridge, Vardy, Lalana. Yeah, um... so none of none of them are anywhere near the team anymore. So I don't understand what he means in terms of what he's trying to build. It's too defensive, especially playing two like holding players. It's good he's not playing five, but again, like the reasoning behind Jack Grealish isn't good enough. Saying he doesn't press enough, then you've got like he's taken Ben White. Okay, fair enough. But then you could have taken James Ward-Prowse. I mean, if you go one nil down and there's like half an hour to go and you need to win a game, you know, you get your set pieces and you're not going to bring on Ben White to win the game for you. And then the four right backs thing was a joke to begin with. It's still a joke, isn't it? Because on the, on the first game, you played Trippier and Carl Walker and then didn't concede. And they don't even feature at all, either one of them, in, in the very next game. So then you start to think, well, why did you do that on the first game? Because that was the first thing I wanted to raise. I don't understand that rationale. Number two, everyone knows that Harry Kane is knackered. He always is. Mm. So why are you persevering playing him for 80-odd minutes in both games when you, I think you, everyone could see the way the Scotland game was going to go. And he said he's going to start again tomorrow. Look at Italy. Italy didn't play their top boys yesterday. You could say, OK, we, we are through. England's through. England will not not go through. I would give Harry Kane a I think he needs a rest. And shake up the formation. Try someone else. 
I think it would be quite nice to see a bit more from the younger players as well because there was a message yesterday saying that oh, we we want to kind of buy these younger players by time with these younger players the likes of Saka likes of Sancho and we were discussing it on our WhatsApp group yesterday Marco we were saying well Jaden Sancho's played in Champions League quarterfinals Bukayo Saka got to a semi-final of a Europa League and like Calvin Phillips has just played like no disrespect to him but like Premier League football compared to like European football or yeah, cup yeah. semi-finals and Jaden Sancho won the World Cup in the under 20 2017 World Cup I think yeah. Under under seventeen in twenty seventeen or one of the years, but him and Foden went to the final and they won. And Dominic Cavalloon has won the World Cup at a youth level for England as well. So they've had tournament experience. I don't get why they're not getting the game time to freshen this team up. Sorry, Sam. but even then, I was going to say even then against Croatia, we weren't amazing as people made no. out. We had two, we had probably two ten minute phases where we were you know unplayable, but that was it. There wasn't, and that was against an aging sort of tired. Croatia team so the worst thing is that we won if anything because now he thinks that that's the way forward when you've got you know Sancho on the bench as well you know 20 yeah, goals 16 assists or some or whichever way around it was but 36 you know GA all season mm. I don't know I just I just think Southgate isn't the man to win a tournament for us and if he is it's just going to be through the luck of the players not through any coaching or tactical brilliance because you looked at Kane as well who shouldn't even be on the pitch He's never going to drop a captain, is he? No, never. You can just see that Southgate hasn't got that that about him. I think other managers... So I think he's a good man manager. I don't think he's a good technician. A little bit like Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. I think Oli Gunnar's probably a good man manager, but he's not a technician. Yeah, we've had some discussions get... about that as well, like them being very similar characters and their management yeah. styles as well. So if it's And that's how I see it. Yeah, and I just think when you get to that super elite level there's there there that's where the difference will be so you you your pep your Klopp, your mancinis I, I think they can make that difference um with with their star studded players you know not taking anything away from from dean smith but he makes villa tick because he knows how to get a tune out of jack jack grealish yeah well you know so play jack grealish he, he he's on the front foot He'll always draw a foul, which is a good thing because you've got so many good dead ball specialists. Goes back to Sal's point, nearer the box, why would you not have a Ward-Prowse? You can pretty much put it anywhere. Um, I don't know. I, I think that the one criticism, the one true criticism I've got of Southgate is he went on record and said, I'm going to pick players that are on form. And he hasn't done that. No. You know, Sancho's on form, as we've identified. Um, Saka was on form for for, England, uh, for Arsenal and there have been other players that are on form Calvert-Lewin's had a very good season Yeah, uh, you could say well Kane has but Kane has a, a consistent season every year but in the last World Cup and I know this is going to not get me too many followers and he got the golden boot but out of six goals I think three of them were probably pens and two of them against Panama so going back yeah. to South Point was it okay yeah so going back to Sal's point, who have Italy played in 30, you're only as good. I get that, but let's not, it's not like Lineker winning it or you know, someone else that has actually done it against much harder opposition. Alan Kane's Shira. really yeah, Nine Kane's six. very good at taking penalties, and he does seem to do very well against Arsenal week in, week out. <laughs> but are we gonna put him in the same bracket as your Messi's, your Ronaldo's, your Suarez, potentially Mbappe? I don't see it. It's not the case. It's not the case. Yeah, I, I agree with the world. I agree with the World Cup point as well. Like we weren't that good in the World Cup. The only one team we came up against that were half decent was Croatia. Which again, I don't think Croatia were amazing. Like I wouldn't put no. them on that sort of France bracket or no. Belgium bracket. And and then we bottled it as well. Like we, yeah. you know, they sort of that was the one game. Because if you look at all the other teams we played, like anyone can beat Panama. And no disrespect to them sides as well. But Colombia was obviously a decent game, but. There was we didn't play anyone amazing, and we just scored about seven set pieces. I think it was of which yeah. three were penalties anyway. Like, yeah. Probably three three were like headers or something, and we played five at the back. So it wasn't like a tactical masterclass. I just think we had an easy run of games. We won we won them, and then we got found out in the first sort of you know even not even semi quarter hard game that we had, which was Croatia. That's as simple okay. as it goes. Took us so extra time. if we fast forward after the Euros. And I think we all mutually agree at some stage between now and the semis, England will probably fall out. Yeah. 
do you question at one stick with Southgate for the World Cup next year? And if you don't, who, do you, who who's who's your like top talent to get? I, I've I've been on record to say this um, about this before. Like, if Southgate doesn't do well with his team, the the person I want is Eddie Howe. I want Eddie Howe to be the next England manager. I want him to be like the Joachim Lowe, who's there for a long period of time. And I want him to kind of groom them, the FA to groom him into like a proper English manager um, to do this. Nice. That's how I would see it. Salim, I know, you, I know you need to go, so I'll let you um, say your piece and I'll let you say the score prediction for tomorrow. Yeah, and sorry, then... I'm just rushing back and forth. Really sorry about this, Marco. But That's okay. I'll have to catch you again. Uh, yeah, um, I'd say my choice was my choice was probably going to have to be. Um, I would have said I was. I would have said Arsene Wenger if he was feeling another gig. But if not, I mean, he probably won't come back. But somebody told me Steven Gerrard the other day, considering what he did at Rangers, and I'm not yeah. sure if he's ready for it. But that's where I'm at on that. Okay, I would have Gerrard over Howe because I think Gerrard played at the top table and can manage egos. My concern with Eddie Howe is I don't know how he would be with players that can actually say, show us your medals, which I know is wrong. Mm. But Mancini can go toe-to-toe. You know, all right. Some managers can and can't. Wenger couldn't. But now David, can say, David Moyes couldn't at Man United. That's how he lost the no. dressing room. Yeah, exactly. It's a hard call. I'm with you to get rid of him. I'm not a big fan of him. But I just don't know who the replacement is. I don't see one mm. lined up. That's the I thing. Mean, like, I see Eddie Howe as a great tactician, a great coach. But like you said, it's not the manager to manage the egos. But when you find like a manager who can manage the egos, like a Pep or a, a Klopp or someone like that, they're, they're very hard to come by. Like, like Conte's out of a job at the moment. Wouldn't yeah, mind him, he, even if it is defensive in, football. And he knows English football. I, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and I don't mean me to manage England. But my nomination would be who I have as my Italian manager. I'd have Ancelotti. That, that that's a big that's a big call that one, but I don't think the job interests him. That's a good question, actually. It's just about how we can actually build forward. But the thing of every Euros, every World Cup is every manager always says, Salim was right about this. We're in a transition. We've never <laughs> got the we've never got the solid team. The last time we had a solid team was 2006. That's how I see it. And I was explaining yeah. I was explaining to my younger cousin who's kind of getting into football now, he's in secondary school, he's kind of learning a bit more about football. I was like, listen to my podcast, we'll learn about football. But I was basically yeah. just saying, I was basically just saying to him, I was like, um, when you look at some of the players from a decade or 15 years ago, and the players we had 15 years ago, they would be in and around that national team for a longer period of time. And when yeah. you look at how we didn't qualify, England didn't qualify for Euro 2008, when we had some of the peak players in their powers, the Gerrards, the Lampards, the Rooneys, under Steve McLaren, because he failed to qualify, you're looking at it like, the FA kind of judged these managers on if they qualify for tournaments in a way. They've never judged them in the highest of regards of, oh, this England side has to be uh, a finalist or a semi-finalist or they have to do this, this, this and this. And every time you look at these big teams, the Italy, Portugal, Netherlands, Spain, France, Germany, when you look at these teams as like the bigger favourites, even if you look over the last 15, 20 years, excluding Belgium, they've all won something. They've all been in a final or something like that. With England, we haven't. So that's what annoys me about the English media, like you said before. Well, you didn't say it, but someone said it before. Always hyping up the fans, um, the other uh, players. And sometimes like, I think the players believe the, their own hype. And the whole Phil Foden yeah, haircut. He didn't yeah. do anything against um, Scotland. But everyone was like, oh, yeah, he shouldn't have been subbed off. And I'm like, he didn't do anything. It was worth right. subbing him off. Worth subbing Harry Kane off. And I'm like, it's just one of those things where you're just like... We're in that rut again of believing the hype. Oh yeah, we're going to do well. We've got we've got new players now. It's a fresh approach. The English PR is very good. Like the players are like, oh yeah, I grew up watching the likes of Rooney, Gerard Lampard on my TV, and I'm an England fan just like you. But it's the same story every year, basically. I mean, the semi final against Croatia was great. It was great. I'm not going to deny it. it was fantastic to be in a semi final. But what Rakitic, Modric. Brozovic versus Henderson, yeah. Ali and Lingard in the midfield battle. There's only one winner. And one of them turned out to be the Ballon d'Or winner that year as well. Yeah. So I'm not angry, but it's just, I'm always disappointed by England, if you know what I mean. That's, oh, that's not a, it wasn't a rant. It was just me kind of going like, 
That's how I see it all the time. Yeah, observations. Yeah, it's your observations, yeah. I don't understand why we build so much belief in that we are going to deliver this year or it's this tournament. I actually think we need to remove maybe some of that pressure. I, I think the media don't help. Uh, you know, Italy didn't make the last World Cup and mm. the Gazetta, the famous pink paper, just said, we're finished. And that was, that was the damning sort of epitaph that Italian football needed. We're finished. We haven't made a World Cup in the first time in about 60 years. We're done. And that's why we went back to the drawing board and we've gone about our business quietly, going back to South Point. No one was talking about Italy. England can't do that. And I don't think it's just football, my friend. I actually think it's socially in society. We build people up to knock them off their pedestal. Yeah. Anthony yeah. Joshua is the big one of that as well. Uh, being, yeah. being boxing fans, you know, we've seen that so many times. And when he lost to, um, what's his Ruiz. face? Ruiz. Ruiz. Yeah. When we, everyone was laughing at him. And you're like, well, you all supported him 10 minutes ago. Exactly. And you're laughing at him for losing. I'm like, what's that about? That's, that's, that's awful. But it's, it's like you said, we build them up to see them to fail them and, enjoy, and yeah. enjoy them failing as well. We're all going to be singing this coming home when we win 1-0 against uh, Czech Republic tomorrow. But if we face a decent team, let's say, for example... Portugal, Germany, France, if we get into that, uh, that position. And we lose 3-1, let's say. Uh, Pogba has a masterclass. Kante does very well against our midfield. And Mount, Phillips, and Griezmann scores. He's always on form for France as well. Uh, Mbappe just terrorises our centre-backs. And you're just there like, we expected it. We could have we we known this in 2018 if we got to the final. But we expected it in terms of losing. And I'm, always, I'm normally happy and upbeat on, on, on the podcast. But I'm like... With this England side, it, it does let you down and it doesn't really, you, you can't really enjoy the ride anymore because you're not a kid, yeah, basically. No. I'm not a kid. I'm not I'm not my cousin who's kind of in his first or second tournament where he can remember it um, for the next 10, 15 years. For me, it's just, I remember Euro 2004 when Rooney was the boy. I remember 2006 when Beckham scored the free quick against Ecuador and Crouch scoring against Trinidad and Tobago. But 2016, like Salim said, yeah, Sturridge scored against Wales in the last minute, but that was our highlight. We drew to Slovakia, yeah. we drew to Russia, and we lost to Iceland. And okay. in that tournament, the media were hyping us up. They were like, oh, yeah, we've got an amazing attack of young Marcus Rashford, Jamie Vardy, uh, top goal scorer in the World Cup. Harry Kane has just come through World Cup, sorry, top scorer in the Premier League, just won the Premier League with Leicester. Wayne yeah. Rooney is a lot more clever in midfield now. Lalana, Delhi Ali's had an amazing season. What happens? We lose to Iceland. Jack Wilshere gets in the squad and he barely plays until the 45 minutes against Iceland in the second half. And you're yeah. just there like every time when you look back on these these uh, teams, you're just like, we were we were foolish to, to actually believe this media hype and to believe this. But ever since doing this podcast, I'm like, you know what? When you do your own research, when you learn a bit more about it than just being that guy that just, uh, listens to things on social media and uh, the radio and stuff, I'm like, you know what? As much as you want England to win and you want to be that that optimistic England fan, you just can't. You can you can do it for the fun of it. You could, like I said, you can sing it's coming home for the banter, but it's not. And I think the other thing that hasn't helped England is we're hosting it. I, I, I think it would be, and the fact that we didn't have it last year and the pandemic, all of those things are being thrown into the mix. Mm. And everyone else has had those same issues, but because we're hosting it, uh, you know, that's an extra layer of pressure. It, there's what 20, 15,000 fans that can go that are predominantly going to be English that will make a din and a noise. And I just think if we leave, like, why did Leicester do so well when they won the league? Because it, it, it wasn't expected. Yeah. And actually, then people bought into it and we wanted them to win and we went on that journey with them. When we come to England, we all become like a Neanderthal. And we all like bring our club out like we're cavemen. And he's just like, we, we self-destruct. We implode on ourselves. I mean, I'm not a fan of him, but Harry Kane, he must be under so much pressure. He's an England captain. He's not scoring. He know, he, he's leaving his boyhood club. You know, leave him alone. But Southgate had to come out and said, no, I'm backing him. And he starts. So that's pressure now. He that's has extra an added pressure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He has a, a, an opportunity in the first 10, 15 minutes and, and spoons it. Well, the booze start, then the commentators start, then the media get, and you just think, you created it. You've got to be very careful what you wish for in life, and more so in football. 
that's the worst thing. Like literally, the one thing I do like about Gareth Southgate is the way he handles the press and he handles the media. He's done very well up to this tournament, I would say. Like the fact that he was saying that whole thing about, oh yeah, we're managing the younger players' expectations. Harry Kane will start against the Czech Republic. Um, yeah, I've seen all of the predictions on online about the four right backs and this and the other. It doesn't bother me. I'm like, yeah, we, we know you see it, but you don't always have to word it in that way. We can do a bit more than that. And you're the England manager. You want to do a bit more of inspiring the nation and getting more yeah. of the nation on your side. But he's got a lot of the press on his side now compared to previous England managers, which is what he's done very well for him. Uh, with his PR as well, like the whole yeah. media versus staff day at St. George's Park. And they did it in the World Cup as well and all of that. But um, yeah, he's, he's media savvy, but mm. he, he also had, didn't he, he had the under-21s. He, he had that youth. So he's had a bit of time and I think he understands how that works. Whereas you, you go and get a stellar manager, they're not going to be interested in that because they already know how that works. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe Southgate wants to create a legacy. And I just think you peaked at the World Cup and I think you're going to get found out in this tournament. Because when you actually look at this group of players, some of these players were in that last transition period. When yeah. you got a younger Harry Kane, you got a younger Harry Maguire, uh, etc. with John Stones. But Kyle Walker's Kieran near... Kieran Trippier, Walker, they're, they're, they're nearing 30. And you're just there like, you know what? They're not going to be around forever. They've had their tournaments they're going to regret not being in the right system and not playing in the right squad or not having yeah. the right players around them. And you want to see a bit more um, from the staff to think, you know what? Like for me, um, basically what happened to me this week, Not nothing major, but I posted my team for the uh, Scotland game. I thought we should have played 3-4-3 to match them. Because when you played 4-3-3, it was just Harry Kane isolated against um, yeah. Hanley. He did nothing. Han- Hanley played for Blackburn. I don't know who he plays for now, but he used to play for Blackburn in the league below the Premier League. And you're just there like, he's man-marked Harry Kane out of the game. Sterling couldn't get past McTominay besides one nutmeg. And Foden, he does his flicks and his tricks and he nearly got past Tierney. But we played a back five with one natural centre-back and we didn't get past them. We didn't even score. And it's just the fact that that system, that 4-3-3, didn't work against that team. Which is why when you see the likes of Germany with their 3-4-3, Netherlands today with their 3-4-3. When they're playing against a certain team, they will change the system to suit not only them, but against like counter-pressing um, the opposition. And opposition, yeah. That's what I have to say about Harry Kane in, in that one. The Croatia one, I'm not sure because he had Vidra against him and players that you think he can get past, but he didn't. And we've seen him get past them in the Nations League and yeah. everything. But I mean, whole... Vidra's, not, Vidra's not a great centre-back, is he? No, he's, he's barely there. But like, he's, he's close to retiring now. Like We can say yeah. it's an ageing Croatian side, but... How do you kind of see the rest of the tournament going just so we can liven the end of the podcast up a bit, I would say, as opposed to okay. hearing me drone on about England and uh, on uh, this Monday afternoon? I'm going to go with the, the, a bit like the Champions League. I just don't see there being any major surprises. Mm. And I think we could both name our final eight, which will just be the usual suspects. Yeah. But I do think we're going to have a different winner. I, I, I will liven it up by saying I don't believe France will topple doing what they did in the World Cup. For me, I, I, I was just there like, you know what? I don't want France to win because I'd, I'd like to see Belgium win. But I, yeah, did, so, I did, to be fair, I did predict Portugal at the beginning of the tournament. But seeing them now, I thought, you know what? With their better players, with better on-form players, like so Jao Felix hasn't even got a game yet. Nuno Mendes, the left-back, hasn't got a game yet. Bruno Fernandes has been disappearing for the last two games. Yeah. Uh, Ronaldo has been Ronaldo, which has been great. Diogo Jota has been all right. That. We yeah. expected that. But Cancelo. Cancelo got COVID, so he didn't even make the squad. Uh, Semedo had to be right back, and you're just there like, who can we see? Belgium, like you said. I don't see Spain doing anything. Italy, no. like I said, they could, they're going to be semi-finals. Italy are the dark horses. Mm. Uh, and I think what would be interesting if they continue like this and our media are falling in love with them is they may actually get the, the English fans on side if England go out. Normally mm. you wouldn't because we're sterile, we're boring um, and we bring something to a competition because we normally have the theatrics. This year I think we're different. But I don't know. I, I think a golden generation, which is Belgium, will deliver. I, I, I can't see past, you know, they, they just score. You know, they, they were losing to Denmark, and that was a testament to them, you yeah. know, how well they came back from that. And they could have won it. 
comfortably. I know there was a chance for Denmark late on in the second half, the header where he yeah, hit the, the bar. But yeah, that was it. But yeah, and you just think Denmark tonight will go. And, um, I think they'll do Russia tonight. I think they'll be they'll be good, and obviously and we Bel- can't. Belgium will beat Finland. Belgium will beat them, and Belgium will get through easily. And you don't see Lukaku tiring. You don't really see De Bruyne getting another injury, and you kind of see it kind of going their way until the semi final, the final as well, and seeing if it if it actually works. But um, obviously, we can't mention Denmark without actually mentioning Christian Eriksen. So. Um, there are people saying that he may not play football ever again, but we're seeing today like Daily Blint has had a seizure or two previous two, three years, I think, and he's playing yeah. for the Netherlands. So there's always hope that he could actually play um, for his country and for his team ever again. But um, did you have anything to react to that for Christian Eriksen? Or, yeah, um... Joe, I, as a dad, I, I pray that he does have just a long, healthy life. And if he can go back to playing the beautiful game, great. I'd question it if he's having some sort of stint put in and at 29 and not getting bogged down in the minutiae of legalese, but the insurance for him at that level now, I think is going to probably prevent him from playing, even though he'd want to play. Um, but no, Joe, you know even though he's Tottenham, he was, he's a lovely guy. He, he's one of the few people that entertained me. Um, and I wish him well. I actually wish Denmark well. They're another team, that, funnily enough, on paper, I think have got some really good players. Uh, captain, I think we can't go, we can't have the podcast and not say something about the captain, Simon. What a leader. Mm. That, he should get player of the tournament for what he did for his teammate, for the, the partner or, or the wife, uh, the privacy. Um, yeah, there's, there was a lot going on in that game. And I felt sorry that they had to play it. I don't think they should have done. I think they should have been given the better option, personally. But I would like to see them get through. But I think they've got a shelf life. Uh, yeah. Denmark. It's it's annoying as well because that group B at the moment that uh, Denmark are on zero points. They shouldn't have continued that game, but UEFA kind of forced them. From what I heard from Peter Schmeichel, the father of Casper Schmeichel, yeah, obviously Man United legend and Denmark legend. Um, then Finland are on three points. Russia on three points and. Uh, like you said, Finland will probably lose to Belgium, but it's just about if Denmark can kind of help get into that best of third place situation as yeah. well. So, if it Here's happens, one it for happens. you on limited time. What do you make of all that? I, I just think we're having too many games and we're rewarding four teams that come third. Why can't we just create a tournament where we have enough groups where 16 go through? So create eight groups of two where two go through. Mm. Because they kind of undid themselves. Because if in 2012, that's when they had the right amount of groups and they had the best of the best of Europe yes. in that tournament. And then they, they just undid themselves by bringing in the smaller countries. But on the flip side, when you bring in the smaller countries, the likes of Finland, they do shock you in terms of beating Denmark. Or you, yeah. you see North Macedonia challenging and Hungary uh, drawing with the world champions, France. So there's a positive and a negative to it. But it's like it's like we said, the whole third place situation is a bit of a, a longer sure. rigmarole for the whole thing as well. Yeah, is... and it's a little bit like coming fourth in, in your league and then you're in the Champions League. Mm. Um, you know, make it a better tournament. I think you, I get what you need to develop the game and bring in what are called minnows, but there is no such thing as an easy game in football now, as you've alluded to with the mm. Finland Denmark. Uh, but there comes a point where you just think, Really, a third, we've all got these permutations of a third place team going through to a knockout. So here's one for you. I'll quickly. I my controversy will be a third place team will make it to the quarters. I don't know who the third place teams are, but I can see on a one-off game they would knock out someone that's either won their group or come second. Yeah, I mean Portugal are going to be third place. Spain could be. Switzerland have, have been decent this tournament. Austria, like we said, they're playing Italy if they uh, can continue with their win. It could be possible. I see Switzerland kind of doing some damage. Portugal, of course, if they get their act together and Ronaldo gets the supporting cast on side. And it's something that I could see happening, which which would be great. And if Spain actually turn up, I mean, what, two points they've got? Yeah. That's going to be worrying for them as well. Um, definitely. Definitely. But no, on that note, just to finish off the podcast, Marco, I just want to know a bit more about um, how you've been doing these last couple of months. Um, how's 
um, the business going and how's everything else in general going? Just a, just a nice little yeah, good. way to finish I've off. Had, I've had some good showcase trial games uh, up at Sutton. So it's not for Sutton United, but we're using their facilities. Uh, and I've, I've got a lad that's now been um, scouted and wanted by Rangers up Fantastic. in Scotland. And he's not even 17. That's brilliant, thanks. Yeah, so we're going up in July uh, for a week's trial. We'll play two, three games there. I had another one that was um, handpicked by West Ham under-23s to go in there. Uh, I've recruited um, people that are scouts for clubs that are going to games anyway that are helping me understand what they're looking for but then giving me reports on players that haven't got representation and helping release players. So we've set up another arm of the company to help release players. It's about 1,400 players every year, uh, Hamza, that get released and they're crestfallen. So you fall out of love when you're not wanted at Exeter City. doesn't mean you can't make it as a footballer, but you need someone to help you. Yeah. Um, and I think we're trying to bridge that gap of saying, look, let's work with the clubs. The clubs will know at some stage who's not wanted, uh, but we want to, through player welfare, help that player if he can kickstart his career or make him think what else can I do if I don't make it as a footballer as opposed to them falling by the wayside but apart from that no life is good it's a shame that the season came to an end when it did because we were starting to get proper momentum uh, but you just regroup watch the Euros pre-season comes again and before you know it the new season comes around and we go uh, it's just snapped back into the groove of it back again. Exactly right. Which is going to be good. But no, it's been good to catch up with you, Marco. Thanks Likewise. again for answering answering the call, as always. It's, it's nice to have a conversation with you. And like we said, the next pleasure. time we get to meet, hopefully it's in person <laughs> and it'll be something that we'll, we'll, we can actually have a proper conversation. I'd like uh, that very much. It'd be great. Um, but no, everyone, thanks for joining Friday Night Council Sex episode 30. It's been great to talk about Italy and about England and the Euros once again. Um, we've still got our weekly episodes to check it out where we review our football kits. So Marco, I'll have to get you on to actually review your football kit collection. That'll be quite fun to do. Um, okay. We've got our GoPro Friday Night Football, which is on YouTube as well. So you get to see me play with like Bambi legs, but I'm, I'm not that yeah. bad. I'm, I'm pretty good. Uh, people have been saying I've been good in goal, so I'm quite happy with that. I, I hype myself up as I ham gathered <laughs> the ham. So I'm decent in goal. I'm decent in goal. Well, like um, but yeah, just follow us on, on social medias, follow us on our link tree and uh, just subscribe to our podcast. Thanks to everyone for listening. Everyone take care. Marco, a pleasure as always. Take Likewise. care and good night. Yeah, Godspeed. Take care.